Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Alrighty, my safe space friends. It is getting hot in here. So I have Olivia here and she works with energy embodiment, inner child work and sacred sexuality. So she is a sex, love and relationship coach, but she has a hell of a story of how she even came into this line of work. And my favorite thing about meeting you is you're not like, only focused on the feminine, you're focused on the masculine and the feminine. So I definitely, definitely wanted to introduce you to my audience all over the world so we can just blow all these bullshit stereotypes out of the water, just realize we're on both ends of the spectrum, kind of fucked from false programming. And I mean, you just have such a light about you anyways that I am absolutely excited to just hear you talk. So I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to try really hard to shut up in the kindest way to myself. So um, how did you get into this work? Where did all of this like realization of surface level sex kind of evolve in your life? Yeah, thank you so much for that intro. So Yeah, I was always the girl searching for love, you know, seeking love outside of myself. And, you know, the stories, Disney, that's what they sell you. They sell you that you need to meet your soulmate and that's when you'll feel complete. And I think my biggest part of my journey is, you know, I always struggled with, you know, getting turned on when I was with partners and really feeling my body, being able to get out of my mind and into my body. And ultimately, you know, I, I felt like I kept struggling with this disconnection. Like how was this such an intimate moment leaving me so disconnected? Chances were usually, you know, that person never even talked to you afterwards or even during. So it just was a lot of, I felt yeah, disconnection, but I, you know, it was just, there had to be more, there had to be something more that I knew that existed, but for some reason I wasn't able to tap into. And yeah, that pushed me to really seek out Tantra and, you know, what is sacred sexuality? You know, how can I understand my body more? And it was like, I think we even talked about this earlier was like, there was this moment where I was just exploring different healing modalities, different meditations. And I was just like sitting, meditating, listening to this sacral chakra hurts. It was like just binaural beats. And all of a sudden I was almost like told to hold my breath a certain way and just start to breathe. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, my body started to get turned on. Like I felt my my sexual energy and it was this pivotal moment of holy crap like I don't need a person to do this for me like my body is self-sufficient to produce this energy to really tap into this beautiful sacred energy so that was like the huge catalyst of like wow like it is within me and we just need to learn how to tap into back to ourselves connect back to our body I'm so glad you brought that story up because I remember being in a meditation and like I said, like you really connected to almost like that goddess, like Shakti Mm -hmm. energy in you. Like you really felt it like move up in your body and your hips were flowing and you're like, God damn, this is sexy. And then like, I had the same moment. I was like, oh my God, is this what it feels like to be like turned on? Like, is this, imagine, imagine if I could, 
if I could explore this with someone that was vibrating at the same frequency as me, could you imagine the absolute yeah. magic that we could not only create together, but continue to create? Um, I've noticed there's a lot of depletion with the sex that we've been taught and the perversion in the sex that we've been taught, or even the suppression of masculine and feminine, like men are supposed to act a certain way. Men aren't supposed to act a certain way. Um, you're too kinky. You're not kinky enough. You're a prude. Da, 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 da. And, um, yeah, I, I think I said this in another another interview. I had no idea that I did sex wrong my whole fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a really hard thing to admit yourself. You're like, mm-hmm. uh, wow, this is a really nice ceiling. Oh, it's a popcorn ceiling. That's nice. Oh, the windows are nice. Oh, shit. Sorry, I'm having sex. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's usually like a fake response. It's yeah, not even, yeah, you're, you're lying. Like, you're like, oh my God, amazing. Yeah, don't <laughs> let them know that I don't give a shit. So funny. Yeah. Um, you're really speaking uh, a lot of my past and a lot of um, even like the present stuff that I've had to deal with from my past. Like, I believe that everybody has sexual trauma, but getting right. like away from that alone and just talking about like, realizing surface level sex exists. Vita method is the one that you said your work is rooted in, but um, I'm interested in all of your influences, whether it comes Um. from just that specific method, Tantra, yoga, um, self-love practice. That was a really big one for me starting out realizing um, it's, it's not just their job to hit a certain button and turn me on. There is an activation of myself that we need to align with. Totally. Yeah. So the, the Vita method was, which is the vital integrated tantric approach. It's by Leila Martin. So I did her one year coaching program, which really was a huge catalyst for, you know, activating my gifts and yeah, seeing that there are these amazing tools that exist. Um, so she did a beautiful job of blending, you know, ancient teachings and making them practical, um, and totally like gives her own like little witchy vibe to it. So love her work. So she was huge in my journey that is the method I practice, but also different healing modalities. So I really has been influenced by emotional freedom technique. So that really helped me heal a lot, tapping. Um, also shamanic constellation work, family constellation work. That has been instrumental in, you know, releasing a lot of my ancestral uh, trauma that, you know, even parental trauma, <laughs> to be honest. Like, you know, it's, it's we live in a world where, you know, our parents just didn't know and psychology is something new. Um, and all these, all these things are just, you know, we just didn't know better. Um, so it's been huge for me. And then also honestly exploring with my friends, I'm lucky enough to have friends that are, we love to party, but we also like to heal together. And so we were curious about, you know, Hey, how can we explore our gifts? How can we tap into, you know, our psychic abilities and, you know, everyone is psychic. I say it's a muscle. So it's a muscle to work on. A lot of it's your mindset, subconscious reprogramming. So how can we really hack into, you know, those deeper parts of ourselves and let our true selves out? Um, so yes, it's a lot of practice, but everyone's able to get to this level, as I like to call of psychicness or intuition. I don't even know how to reply to you because you say the things that I would usually say back to people. Like that's how on point we are with each other. Um, If I met you 
in a suppressed, not only low vibrational, but like suppressed sexual state. And I heard what your work was and just felt your energy and just how vibrant and happy you were. I would literally go to you and be like, what are you doing? Right. It's the same mm-hmm. context of I'm poor. You're rich. How are you rich? And I'm poor. Like, tell me how you got there. You, you exude just such a clear channel. And it is really like research. I love that you not only sat in front of like one person and just went like, okay, I'm good. I can stop learning. This is what I'm teaching. You continuously learn. You've built a safe space of friends around you where you're able to expand your consciousness together and not just go outsource it to a bunch of other places. We're all here for the human experience. I think that's the toxic thing about spirituality is you're, you're like, oh, I figured out I'm a light body being. So now everything in the human experience is just stupid. And it's like, um, no, I really enjoy so many parts of my human existence. And I enjoy just like you flexing my Claire, Claire muscles, whatever one I want to work on that day. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just some really great magic about you. You can definitely tell that you've cleared a lot of stuff out. Um, I heard generational trauma working, inner child work, um, man, let's just dig into these individually. So, cause yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there that they kind of have no idea what any of this is. It's, it, yeah. it's far fetched, you know, totally. to a lot of people. Right. Um, I still know that there's a false programming where like, you have to be a psychologist, you have to be a doctor. Now we, we obviously need certification programs not to go, I have a certificate, I know what I'm doing, but it's like knowledge has to be passed down and it should be by accredited people. But for instance, I do think that it's a supremely saturated market, no matter if you're doing energy work, if you're doing sex coaching, no matter what, because there is this false narrative that if I took a course Um, and I don't embody it and I don't work on it, but I took a course. So now I'm, you know, I'm going to go and like regurgitate that out. You, um, I feel that you embody it and I know it just like through the story that we've talked about when we've talked before, but if I, so I just found out, right. That I've been doing sex wrong my whole life and Mm -hmm. I'm going to take responsibility for that. Um, what would be your like kind of first guide to the, like bringing that awareness on board and like how to change that? What would you recommend in your services where I would start? Totally. Yeah. So I think the first thing that I always tell people is I was able to expand and heal that much, let's say not even quicker, but it, I took it way too seriously in the past so that now I come to it with a lens of playfulness and curiosity. Like we're going to be healing our whole life. Okay. So the, the more like fun we're having with it, the more we're going to enjoy it. You know, the more that we can really see this as that beautiful human experience of like, we're all in this together. There's, you know, we're all, you know, there's no right and wrong. It's really just like what feels true to you. And that's really with all the teachings that I feel like the right type of coach and, you know, teacher is going to tell you that you are empowered to figure out your own truth and, you know, take what fits and and throw out what doesn't. And that has been massive for me. I was always the girl that was so hard on myself and always looking at the goal and the results versus enjoying the process. So 
a lot of now my teaching is revolved around how can we really enjoy whatever we're going through and see, you know, the beauty, the, the growth, the evolution. Um, and yeah, there are moments that, you know, that there's, you know, that you're maybe lower vibration, right? But these are all needed for this bigger perspective and this bigger shift. Um, so definitely the first thing is like go to this, you know, the self work, this self healing with the lens of curiosity and playfulness and openness, you know, that's like, we don't really know anything, right? So if we go in with that lens, it's like, okay, we can be surprised. We can be surprised by the journey, by the intention and you know what, what comes back to us. So that I would say is huge. And then number two is always the breath. You know, something as simple as the breath, we've really, no one really taught us that we've been breathing wrong. <laughs> like, are we even noticing how we're breathing? And that is like the basic level of slowing down the breath, slowing down, coming back to our body. That has been instrumental in my growth and, and what I teach. Yeah. That was really big too for me. I was like, I'm breathing wrong? What? Yeah. There's so many things. And I shouldn't say wrong, right? I should be like, I'm yeah. breathing uneducated. I'm bringing, I'm breathing out of false programming or survival or fight or flight. Survival. Yeah. Fight that's, or flight. That's the big one. Yeah. yeah. That, that's so crazy. I had the, um, my curiosity and my playfulness, like I'm, I'm like you, I was really hard on myself one day. I was like, Oh God, like it's kind of a spiritual trap to be like, I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm shedding, I'm shedding, I'm healing, mm -hmm. I'm healing. Um, and I like, any pitfall that you can get into in the ego side and the spiritual side I've been through. And, um, I like talking about it. Like, I think there's a humility and a vulnerability in realizing that, um, it's easy for all of us to go through all this. I think it's just kind of a part of the process, no matter what step you hit. Um, lost my train of thought cause I got excited about being vulnerable. <laughs> so, um, expanding on vulnerability, I guess I'll yes. jump off mm -hmm. there. Um, vulnerability is one of the hardest things for me. Definitely. Um, suppressed feminine characteristics is what I would say. Um, always felt I needed to protect myself super witty and comical with the most morbid shit though. Like that is definitely like, I just have like push the the line the boundaries like personality and it was a lot like a lot darker and I still think it was pretty funny um uh -huh. but understanding like where it came from and like why I was um masking that way or why I felt like I had to act that way or even the role that I played in my friends lives like I was always mm -hmm. the one that would like put my cape on and go and oh they're in trouble I need to go help them they need this da -da 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 -da. And then in the night I would go home and I would just be like, oh, I'm so exhausted and I'm not, I don't have anything left over for myself, but I went out and I helped this person and they feel better and this feel better and this feel better. So I like that you were talking about the playfulness and the curiosity because there's so many times that maybe we don't even mean to, like maybe our, our ego that we haven't worked with and evolved with, um, puts that defense mechanism up and it goes, it acts like a cup that can't be filled anymore. Like a full cup can't be filled. Right. And it's not going to overflow. And there's times even in the modalities like you that I've searched that, um, like say if I took like three Reiki classes from three different Reiki practitioners, if I take the knowledge from teacher one and I apply it to teacher two and go, Oh, well, that's not the way that I was taught by this person. You're kicking it out and you're not, you're not in the receiving mode. Right. 
Yeah. And I know receiving has a lot to do with feminine energy and with the nurturing and the creation of it. So, um, the feminine is rising. That's how I feel. I, I totally feel the, the bond of women coming together and not competing and all of that shit that we always do that we're like, why do I do that? I love her. I don't care if I think she's prettier than me, like I'm going to pump her up. But what have you seen from your perspective as not only a relationship coach, but like what's the broken feminine done to us as a collective? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's an intense question, right? So however you want to answer it, go forth. Yeah. I would say I, I see a lot of like, yeah, that sister wound, right? It's, it's that competition energy that, yeah, like I was always the girl. I always wanted to be friends with everyone. So when someone was jealous or had these ill intentions, I, I like, I didn't understand because I was like, don't we all just want to love and like be friends and like be these little fairies like <laughs> in the garden. And so, yeah, a lot of my journey was just understanding, you know, yes, not everyone has the same perspective as me because of what they went through in life and what they've experienced. So a lot of that was me just understanding, hey, you know, people have gone through things that have hurt them, that have made them close up, that have really, you know, shut them down. And then on top of that, you know, the imbalance, right? It's like, if we weren't safe to be in our feminine, we had to overcompensate and be in this like masculine. And these energies, and I, you know, sometimes I even say solar and lunar, if, you know, if that doesn't apply to everyone. And there's no, one is not better or worse than the other. They both live within us. It's about us balancing that within ourselves because anytime it's out of balance, you know, that comes out externally, right? So even internally, that's in all dynamics, like in your relationship and work, um, in relationship to self, you know, there's this balance that's needed because, yeah, one can be on overdrive and, and there's no space for the other. So there's no flow. And specifically, I would say, yeah, the, 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 the sacred feminine is rising. So I actually co-authored um, a book and I was, uh, my chapter in that was really about this girl's search for orgasm and seeing that I was so lost once again in this result, in this goal that I feel like is so masculine and how society really is all about doing versus being. So I think now we're at a point of coming back to this new, this new way of saying that just because like your, your results, your actions, you know, it's not just about that. It's about, you know, feeling good when you're just resting, when you're just receiving, when you're not doing and then I think that's the huge shift that's coming and that people are seeing. And in the aspects of sex too, it's like, it's not just about doing it. Sometimes it's just being, it's being with your emotions it's being with your feelings, being in the moment, knowing that you can just be without having to do. So that's, I think that's been the biggest thing um, in my learnings of like the masculine and the feminine and how that relates to our, our relationships. Okay. Another zinger. Why, even though it is an innate trait of the feminine to receive, Mm -hmm. why do women struggle so bad with receiving? Mm, Yes, that's a good one. So I think there's a lot of factors. Of course, I'll always throw in like one, which is, you know, how you were raised, how you saw love, what were your examples of love, you know? how was your mother? How was your father? You know, they were your first instance of 
what that dynamic is and what that relationship is. So on one hand, we absorb a lot of that. And on the other end, it's, yeah, honestly, part of the self-love work is someone can tell you, I love you, you're so beautiful, but if you can't receive that, it'll never come through because you will internally, you know, block that. You you just won't be able to, you'll be like, I don't believe you. You know, like there, it, it just, it'll never come back to you. So until we learn how to receive ourselves, you know, from ourselves, that's when it starts to really change your perspective on life and, you know, you start to open up. So, yeah, I feel like with the feminine, um, you know, there's been that rejection and society and culture of the feminine of, you know, emotions are your weakness and, you know, don't show, don't show your vulnerability. And now we're changing that, that there is a power in vulnerability. There's power in expressing your emotions and, yeah, like you can no longer, you know, let's say keep people quiet because we we're standing up for ourselves. You know, we're saying that this is not right. This is not okay. And, you know, it's time. It's time that we see that there's so much power in emotions. Like what I always say, you know, is emotion is just energy in motion. And when it's not able to be in that motion, you know, it, it comes up as a block. It comes up as stagnant energy. It starts to come up in different areas of your life that end up, you know, destroying, right? Versus in creating chaos versus, you know, flowing and being able to, yeah, be expressed. And, and ultimately, it's your expression, your authentic expression. So until we can, you know, develop that better relationship to our emotions, you know, that's when things are going to start to change in your personal life. And then exude outward, as I say. Transformative. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So one thing, um, I've always had like an extremely theatrical personality, whether it's the positive side of it or the negative side of it. Um, And I name my shadow side Medusa. And I don't mean the negative properties of her. I mean the true story of Medusa and why she turned into Medusa Mm. anyways. So um, I always realize like when that when that part of me is out, like I feel, I feel overprotective of my feminine is the best way I could say. And mm. it's, it's not necessarily digested well from everybody. And I'm aware you ever have the awareness yeah. where like you're being shitty in the room and you're like, Oh God, they notice. Um, but when you talk about like rawness and crying and emotions and like vulnerability is looked at as a weakness, um, I 100% Um, was definitely programmed from plenty of avenues. We don't need to like blame anybody. We're just pulling out where the program came from, where um, I was really shut down emotionally a lot, like put the genie back in the bottle, put the genie back in the bottle. And um, coming to terms with that was, was and still is very enlightening for me. But now I find because I I've worked on it and I've been in like groups of women where We all have like the moments where we have to be vulnerable with each other and we're like, hey, this is a safe space. This is a sacred space. Like whatever you say here doesn't leave here, which that's the other thing. Like when you're vulnerable with someone, you need them to keep their mouth shut about that because it just took you years to come out with this and I don't, I don't need to be your, your gossip story of the day, right? Because gossip's a completely different thing we could get into, but I noticed like, I still have trouble in any group setting like that to, I mean, truly dig into it because my awareness on the things that have happened to me are from, 
um, observe, don't attach, or my favorite yeah. thing, a woman named Jen Evers told me is I'm speaking from a scar. I'm not speaking from a wound. And I can speak about these things with such clarity and understanding and forgiveness that people get a little freaked out, which is cool. I mean, teach their own. Mm-hmm. But then when I see these other women like break down in these groups, the way that I would like to break down in the group as well, um, I'm, I, it's not like I, I'm like, oh no, she's crying. What do we do? But I always mm-hmm. revert back to if I'm literally breaking inside right now, Um, I don't know what your trauma is and why you're actually breaking right now. So how do I know if I come over and hug you that it's actually not going to trigger you into that one time your uncle touched you when you were seven and that's why you're crying about right now, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm okay with people showing their emotions and all of that. And while we're in these groups, developing a vocabulary with our emotions and with our traumas, that's the new thing that I've been working on is I'm like, How do you want me to make you feel safe when you're breaking and you're vulnerable? How do you want me to help you when you're so exposed that you're like, Lord, take me now. I do not want anybody to see this vulnerable side of myself. So obviously working not only with inner child issues, but sacred sexuality, I'm sure that you find yourself in these moments where you're, you're holding space. You're the facilitator of the safe space. Um, How are you able to help these people when they break in front of you like that. Totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, your, your podcast is called safe space, right? So this was huge for me and a huge learning, um, as I began this work. Um, so the truth is to hold, I used to think that if someone is being emotional and sad, I also need to mirror that and get to that level. And then only until I really started to do this work and learn that no, Um, You staying in your high vibration, for example, that person who is expressing their emotion, they're in their suffering, they can only get out of it by coming to my level of vibration. So by me going to that level of vibration, it's not going to help. What they most likely need is an anchor just for them to know that like, and I'm not trying to coddle them. Me holding space, I'm literally allowing the expression without judgment, without trying to coddle it, without trying to make someone feel better, because ultimately, um, they in that moment are learning how to express emotion and feel safe to express that emotion. I feel like that is the true definition of holding space, is you teaching someone that they can express and not be condemned. They can express and be loved fully. They can express and know that there's nothing wrong with them for expressing. So it is a little bit more different with like trauma um, and heavier trauma. There are different techniques to teach, right? Like if they're too in the uh, experience, you can teach them like the observer aspect or um, to come out of that, right? And to witness it versus experience it and go back and forth until let's say it's fully healed, right? So there comes a moment that... Um, until you have the um, like awareness, I should say, or soul understanding of why this happened, why it was created, it's once again, it's going from that victim to creator mentality. You then understand, you know, from a soul level, why you created this experience for what lesson it served. 
And of course, like that doesn't always happen in one session, but there are tools that can help you get to that level of understanding with the energy work, with Tantra, you know, with my method. So there are different stages of it. But most important thing is now I no longer feel bad if I'm happy and someone else is you know, sad or crying or suffering. I know that it's what they need to experience to then be able to get to the level um, that I am. And, and one is not worse than others. You know, I've been in those same situations, but the best thing is for that safe, that space holder just to hold their vibration and to stay, you know, stay in their power and know that you are the example of, wow, they can stay in their power and I can get to that level too. So it is, it is a journey. It is, um, it was definitely a huge learning for me. I mean, yeah, like when someone was expressing so much emotion, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Until I really learned like, no, I just need to be there. I just need to sit, be there for them. And it's this aspect of sitting with your feelings that I think is the, the hardest, you know, even for myself as well. It's like sitting with those feelings and knowing that they're actually here to tell you something. They're here to teach you something. So. Yeah. I always, yeah. I love, um, emotions or energy in motion I use that I also use that on another um guest because she does like emotional oh. code and like evox so you like speak into the microphone and it like registers your emotions on a software um Ooh. so I love that you say that but um kind of like my Mr. Rogers version of it is like emotions are like visitors and you just acknowledge them and you wave them goodbye you know because you can <laughs> You can sit there and you can be yeah. angry and you know you're angry, but you don't acknowledge the anger. So it stays. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, then you're like, okay, I'm angry. Why am I yeah. angry? Why? Then, yeah. It's like, why, why, why? Yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's levels. Like, actually, I'm not angry. I'm sad. Actually, mm -hmm. I'm not sad. I'm this. And it's a little, little puzzle. It's a little maze that you have to go through of yourself. And I, I'll probably repeat this through the whole episode, but I love how you're like, be playful and be curious. Um, that's my favorite part about the human experience and the spiritual experience is, you know, we come, we come in however we want to be perceived, whatever my parents name me, however I want to identify. And I get to be this like Sims character almost. I'm like, what do I want to wear today? What do I want to do today? And there is like a lot of heavy work to this incarnation, but, um, man, it's really cool. Like it sucks when you're on the other side yeah. of the mountain and you don't, you're not feeling so good, like in the pit yeah. of inner child healing. Yeah. Puke. Ugh. No, this, this muck doesn't feel good, but, um, feeling like you're like the Lotus in the mud. I was thinking this last night because I was, or two nights ago, I was in Reiki class and she was talking about like a blossoming onion. And I was like, oh, well, my mind is telling me like a lotus in the mud and the mud mm -hmm. is all of the trauma and all the things that you could control and couldn't control, but it's transforming you. You just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. This cocoon's getting too tight. I'm getting too mundane. Like, I know there's something going on with me per se. And then finally, like the Lotus rises and, you know, you have a hit Christina Aguilera song, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love, I love the way that you pulled apart. Cause you're right. You, you have a really great, just playful, playful way. It's very, it's very inviting, especially cause again, back to me, like being vulnerable is still something really tough for me. I sway in and out of being really confident at it where I'm like, Hey, this is me. These are my faults. 
I 100% believe that like my flaws are my gifts. And I, my biggest thing is auditing myself and make sure I'm around people that don't condemn me for my actions and don't condemn me for the way that I am and for the way that I'm evolving. Um, And that's really hard because I love everybody and I don't necessarily want to be that person that cuts everybody off and doesn't give anybody a chance, right? Because we all go through that in our healing journey where we're like, oh, I know how to do it. I'll just cut everybody off. I'll start fresh. You know, you don't want to do that. Um, But some advice from all the experiences you've had and you've working with people, like I know the mother cord is, I mean, all over the collective, whether you're a male, female, Mm. however you want to identify. Do you have advice for people that have just found out that they have, um, a mother cord that kind of needs to be examined, explored and cut a little more or cleansed, I should say. Yeah. And by mother cord, you mean like your relationship and your healing with your mother, your yeah, mother, absolutely. let's say wound as they say. Yeah. 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 I mean, trust me, like I have the same triggers and the same issues with my parents as anyone else. So just because I do this work doesn't make me less prone to, <laughs> to triggers. Um, so I think the biggest teaching for me has been the more like inner work I do of like compassion for myself and really, even if like doing this, this healing work with your, let's say your mother on a soul level, like maybe you're not ready to fully do this, you know, in the human realm, right? Even doing a pillow exercise, calling in, you know, your mother's soul, having to really you face that face, what's really there, what's really triggering. I mean, this is huge. Like you're probably going to even cry doing this exercise of just, you know, calling in the soul. Like this is massive. And what you start to realize when you do this work, it does start to change your relationship with your parents and your mother. It starts to like by you yourself doing the work and working on your triggers, it has profound effects in your, you know, external world. And I think the biggest thing too is like, as we were talking before of, you know, all those emotions that you go through, Tantra taught me that everything is sacred. You know, that anger, that sadness, it's all sacred. There's all consciousness in it. The more we understand that, hey, like there's a reason I'm being triggered by my mother and there's something that I need to really look at. You know, it could be anything from boundary work to, yeah, like how are you yeah, what are your characteristics? You know, we, we always go into that inner child. Like, no matter how old you are and you're with your parents, you're going to, like, regress into that inner child because it is so triggering. So um, that has been huge for me. And also, honestly, family constellation work has been massive because a lot of what, you know, we learn growing up is so subconscious that, I mean, I would have never known the things that are affecting me. Like, One example, too, that I'm pretty open about is, like, there was a time where I was, like, going to do this healing, um, and I wanted to work on my business, and I go into with this, like, idea of, like, yeah, I want to work on my business, money, and that coach to me was, like, well, how is your relationship with your mother? And I'm, like, what? Like, this wasn't what I wanted to work on. (laughs) So I was, like, no. And all of a sudden, I literally already, like, as she even mentioned that, like, emotions started coming up. And those emotions started like coming through. And at one point in the session, it was like, I had this huge realization of like how I have maybe been avoiding, you know, my mother avoiding, you know, confronting my mother about things 
this was showing up in my romantic partnerships. Like I was attracting these avoidant partners and here I was doing the same with my own mother. So there are these examples, you know, that come through that, yeah, your relationships are everything. And the more that we can be aware of like, hey, how am I showing up? You know, what's being mirrored here? The more that we can be like, okay, I have awareness of this. Now I can work on it. Sure, it's not always easy, but let me do that 1% every day uh, and just see the effects it has. I love that. To piggyback off of that, um, a question came up when you were talking about it. I know there's a lot of forgiveness um, Mm -hmm. in any healing journey, whether it's forgiving others or forgiving yourself. But um, when everything stems back to your inner child issues, I think a lot of people like to judge and condemn and just be like, oh, well. I'm still mad at you and hold resentment because you did this. And I know like psychologically that was wrong. That wasn't the best Avenue. So you go back to your parents, you find all this stuff out that's still affecting you as an adult, right? Yeah. You go back to your parents. Sometimes you condemn them for their actions. Sometimes you heal a little more and go, wait, 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 wait. I'm not, I'm not condemning you for your actions. I'm, I'm trying to see if you actually still have an awareness that you act this way. You have an awareness that you did that. And I, I kind of just want to make sure you're not treating anybody else like this because this is how it affected me and how it played out in my whole life. Do you have advice for people that go back into any of those scenarios and they get gaslit by their parents or Mm -hmm. their parents just stonewall them and they're like, I did the best that I could, or I sacrificed all of this. And it's kind of this, martyring sense of parenting where it's just like, Hey, I was your parent. I raised you. I quote unquote gave up my life for you. I could have, I could have lived in a mansion and had a Ferrari, but I decided to be your parent instead. So yeah, worship me, which again is supremely toxic. You should never say that to any of your kids, but there's this false programming that I've seen in a lot of lot of, I guess you should just say studies to keep people's names out where I owe my parents something for being my parents and in owing my parents for providing for me and giving up their dreams and doing whatever. Now the rest of my life, I'm actually not allowed to bring up anything that negatively affected me because one, they didn't remember what I went through. Two, they could never admit to themselves that they did that to themselves. And three, mm-hmm. my my friend Tegan and I were just talking about this the other day. And she said, well, for you, it was, it was traumatic for me. And for you, it was a Wednesday. There's the disconnect. So mm-hmm. again, just to ask again, do you have any advice on people that are doing this work wholeheartedly from a very healed, I love you enough to talk to you about this way, like, how could we go in and de-escalate these um, like pussy wounds that are still yeah. around all of us? Totally. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes up is boundary work for sure. You know, like no one is, should be in a toxic, you know, abusive relationship. So that is part of the work is really understanding, you know, what is, you know, what are your boundaries and being able to speak them, even if they're not heard. I mean, you know, then there's, you know, actions that you take. Right. But on one end, what's really been helpful for me personally is like, I mean, when I look at my parents in the lens of like, they are their own inner children who have, who have probably so much trauma. Like I can't even imagine the trauma that they have that they don't even know. Like they, they literally, 
they just they're so unfortunately unconscious to it like they're like teary-eyed by this that like they're it's their souls like their soul is on this journey of you know also learning also healing and unfortunately i also had to really accept that like if my parents don't choose to heal in this lifetime that is their soul's choice and i have to honor that so there is a level of like I can be, you know, the light. I can show them that there are other options. I can give them the options, but ultimately they have to take action. And it is not my responsibility to, you know, heal them. You know, they they have to do the work just as much as we're doing the work. Like, that's what I always like to say, you know. And to put it also on a logical perspective, like, I mean, I come from an Eastern European background, like, my parents are first generation. They came, I mean, I'm first generation. They came here in the 80s. So just like one generation back, we're still dealing with like, you know, parents, you know, living on the farm, working on the farm. Like, to be honest, even like one generation back, I don't think even this concept of marrying for love was was big. It was like, hey, this is what you do. We got to take care of the, you know, the farm, the land, da, da, da. And so this concept of marrying for love, of really going into conscious relationships is new. And, you know, once I started to acknowledge that fact of like, literally they lived in different times, they, this is so new to them and they're doing their best. Everyone's doing the best that they can with what they have, as much as we don't want to believe it, right? (laughs) Because we have that awareness, but you have to have compassion. You have to have compassion that they, their soul is also, you know, trying to figure this out. And ultimately, as long as, you know, you stay true to you and you do have those boundaries of like, hey, what's okay and what's not okay, you know, you have every right to voice your opinion and to, to, to say things, but also, you know, come with it with a different lens of like, yeah, I mean, ultimately they're just, you know, children that are hurt and they don't, they don't have the tools, you know, they don't have the tools to express their emotions. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's still like, yeah, I mean, I feel for them. I feel for them because they just don't know. And until they maybe have that one experience that's going to open them up, you know, then there's hope. And I always say, too, it's like I never close the door of like, oh, my God, they're never going to heal. You know, I always say, like, you can be so surprised. You know, it could take like maybe like, you know, it's going to take them maybe like a few, maybe a year before, you know, they pass, you know, and and you'll be surprised, you know, maybe there's going to be that one glimpse of awareness of healing that happens. So I never close the door. I always leave it open where, you know, I do believe that there is always a possibility of them, you know, healing in this lifetime. That's a lot of compassion. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot. I mean, it really is. It, it's very inspirational for you to say that because um, when you were. When you're saying that, um, the scene from Matilda came into my mind and I realized oh, that yeah. even I grew up in the age of like, you're the adult, I'm the child, you listen to me. Totally. Da, 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 da. And I had so many instances when I was younger where no matter what adult I was in, like, yeah, I wasn't right all the time, but I have a point here. My voice matters. I'm not mm-hmm. being dramatic. I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not this. And there was a lot of shutting down that inner child. And just, yeah, I remember all of whether, whether they were angry and they used a derogatory term or they were condescending and mocking my emotions. I remember that subconsciously coming out in very aggressive conscious ways, um, mm-hmm. whether it was 
creating a a personality that wasn't me. Cause I remember when I started like the healing journey, I was listening to God, I wish I could know who it was, but they said, um, Oh, it was a TikTok of a lady standing out in the rain. And she's like, from now on, I'm going back to who I was before the world got to me. And I was like, Ooh, that's a really good question to ask, like in a notebook format and like meditate on. So I was like, kind of like my own QHHT hypnosis session, even though it's meditation. I was like, higher self, Cheyenne, you know, goddess, come in, speak with me. Take me back, take me back to not the event, but take me back to who I was before these events that I'm not strong enough to go into. Show me who I was before I believed what they told me I was and show me who I was before I let these false and anti-idol influences or even idols come in and tell me who I am and tell me how I act and tell me how people will only accept me this way. So you better just do it this way. Mm -hmm. Who was I? How was I? And luckily I'm a writer and I recorded everything down, whether it was in journal format, poetry format, or just like writing prompts. Right. And, um, I remember, I remember being really sweet and I like, I, my daughter's like the sweetest baby in the world. Right. And I'll take her around my mom. And she's like, my mom would be like, you used to be like that all the time when you were a kid. She's like, you didn't know a stranger. She's like, I had to stop you from running up to strangers to hug them. You would just wave to everybody. Um, when I was growing up, my family would say my favorite class in school was lunch because I'm a social butterfly. And all I want to do is run around and talk to people. I don't know if that mm-hmm. was a backslide on my you know, my focus on education at the time, but I really, I really did remember loving people and loving stories and like learning through human experiences, whether you can call them good or bad. And it, it also gave me an awareness of like, well, how long have I been masking? How, how long Mm -hmm. have I been jaded in pushing away that human connection and really just being an arm's length away um, cause it's so weird because I have a, I have a need to serve people's hearts and I have a want and a desire to be that shoulder to cry on and to be that safe space for you. Why the fuck can't I be what I want right now? I'm too busy acting in this like false persona, so to speak. Um, going into what, what did you call it? Oh, family constellation. So mm, yeah. I, what I'm picturing is like generational trauma, but like, what is, what's the definition of like family constellation work? Like what, what does that entail? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's using the group to, um, I would say like model and represent your family to understand the relationships. So in family constellation, like the first thing I believe is, um, like there's always a hierarchy. So everyone has their place and uh, they have their place in the sense of, you know, the really like you're the child, you're the parents, the grandparent, everyone has that hierarchy. And when things are messed up, when, you know, the child has to become the parents and things like that, that's when the dynamics start to really affect and, you know, the resentment grows and things like that. Um, my experience, uh, my first one, it was crazy because it was sh- a shamanic one. So there's a lot where you can really dig up like secrets um, in the family, you know, things that were so hush hush, but 
So your parents probably never told you. It was always kept quiet in the family. And then you experience it in the constellation and you start to realize, oh my gosh, that makes sense. Why so-and-so would act this way. And then you get this whole new side of compassion of like, you now understand the trauma that they went through to now. So it's like, yeah, you're able to love them deeper and understand now I get why they acted this way and why they are the way they are. So there's, um, it's really beautiful and then you're also forced in that, not forced, I should say, you're also encouraged to say things, to kind of let things off your chest. So things like, you know, you're prompted to say like, um, like, even though you were never there for me, you know, I honor and respect and I thank you because for if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. And it's like you generationally like accept even the, you know, even the, let's say the taboo and the bad stuff that happened because ultimately it led you to who you are today. So in the end, you can't hold any resentment. And 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 sometimes like tough stuff come up. Like, you know, I've witnessed, you know, constellations where, you know, there's rape involved and there's, you know, things like that are really intense. And it is this whole new way of being able to see the consciousness and the, um, you know, the, the reasoning by behind everything and why everything occurred. So that has been massive and yeah, I would say it's, it's a great exercise to, yeah, to see what's in the subconscious, you know, like one example I'll say is even something where like, I always, you know, wanted uh, a conscious partnership, right? And it's like, if you grew up only seeing, you know, codependency, you know, that was your lens and like, I've created this subconscious pressure on my partners to be this perfect partner. So in the end, on a subconscious level, they felt that energy. So until I was able to fully accept my parents, you know, like no matter how in my eyes, I'm like, this is so like, what is this? <laughs> um, I had to really see like, no, there is love there. And there is, there is a relationship, you know, that is like, they are choosing this, there is love there and there is consciousness. And I had to accept them, you know, for their relationship and who they were. And like, that was a big one. And, you know, there are these moments that you get of clarity and of like, of love and acceptance. And of course, you know, you go back into the trigger, but once you have more and more of those experiences, you do start to, you know, see things from a new light and you're able to have that compassion. You're able to have that love where, you know, when you're in the trigger, Usually you don't see that. So it does take these experiences of pulling you out. You're definitely just like seeing. cycling, right? Yeah. You're, yeah, stuck. Yes. you're like, how do I get off this hamster wheel? I do not want to suffer yeah. anymore. Yeah. Okay. So I love that we pulled all, all of that apart because I think there's tremendous value in understanding that you're not just going to go figure out how to have like blissful cosmic orgasms without really diving into the depths of all this stuff that you need to face, whether it's inner child, whether it's generational, um, all of that stuff. So, um, example time. Um, yeah. I've done, I've done all of this amazing work. I've, re I've released all of this stuff and now I've found, um, that I really want to tap into my true feminine sacred power. Mm, yeah. And I'm, like, this is, this is what I present yourself with present you with. And I'm sure that you have your own audit system to see just like you. You're like, I'm working on my business. They're like, we're working on your mother. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah. say, say we've audited and you are at the point where we get to tap into the Tantra and the breath work and the connection, like yeah. even in a couple standpoint, we don't necessarily just have to focus on a woman. There's a couple yeah. that comes to each other and we're like, we're consciously aware of the programming that we're breaking. We've been working on these things for years and now we've decided to come and educate ourselves more in your presence. What is, um, a session like that or multiple sessions, yeah. I should say over time like that with you. Yeah, totally. So let's go to couples example. So my tantric work with couples is really all about how can you enter these intimate spaces and really learn, you know, the breath, the power of focus, of energy, of intention. You know, like once I say it's like intention seems so simple, but the fact that we don't bring it and intention into the sexual experience, you know, it does, it changes everything once we start to um, view, you know, bring intention into, into sex. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like, as we talked about, vulnerability isn't easy. Personally, I'm like, sometimes we need that third person to hold space because we don't feel safe enough, right, to do it ourselves. So there is this magic that happens when you're able to Sometimes you just need the accountability. You know, you're always maybe you and your partner are going to be like, I don't have time to do this, like da, 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 da. But in reality, it's like you, you know, setting up that, what I call like date night and doing these tantric exercises, anything from communication to breath. Um, there's different, different exercises that I do and all really revolve around you connecting to your body, to your sexuality and seeing this as a sacred experience. You know, there's so... So much you can tap into. You can call in the goddess, the god energy. You can really experience energetic states, you know, within the container. And not only, you know, experience each other in a new way, but also yourself in a new way. And I think that's the biggest learning is like, it is just as much about you as your partner. And the more we can honor that it's like, it's our connection to ourselves, even within the container, you know, that is the the most important piece, I think, is like knowing like, hey, also expressing, you know, hey, I don't feel connected right now. Or maybe, you know, we can just take a moment and breathe a little bit together. Maybe I need to come back and center and see, you know, what do I really need right now? So I would say that's really the what it looks like when it comes to my couple sessions and yeah, when, when it comes to my single sessions, it's it's all desire-based. So the more that we can hone in on what do we desire and what is really blocking us, let's say, energetically, you know, in between us and, that, and achieving that desire, that's where we really take a look at how, you know, what stories did I create from childhood or from my previous partnerships about, you know, what what orgasm means, what sex means, what pleasure is. So... The more we can just open up our energy, I would say, open up and release any stagnant emotion, any any old, you know, emotion that's there that's keeping us from being our open selves. That's when the magic starts to happen. It's when we open our energy up. That's when we can really start to feel more sensation. We we end up, you know, healing our nervous system and then we open ourselves to these new sensations like you may feel like pleasure, like you've never felt before. Like it could be something as simple as you caressing your arm. And that can be the most orgasmic thing because you're in that state of openness of, of receiving. Um, and yeah, that's really where the magic happens is seeing where you can have a body mind shift um, through something as simple as breathing, 
you know, or you're, or, you know, activating something that just really, yeah, allows you to flow. What a wonderful answer. I was smiling the whole time. I was like, "Mm -hmm. yes, this makes total sense to me for sure. Which I mean, again, like super vulnerable, right? Like comedically, I'm like, I can't believe I've been having sex wrong my whole life. Like I can't, I can't believe like I, I fell for it. Cause I, I'm like you too. Like I grew up on Mm rom-coms and Disney and I mean, I remember, oh man, just a couple months ago, I was asking, I was asking my mom, like what? what she actually wanted. And it was the first time my whole life that she was like, all I ever wanted was just to like the meet the meet the one man that I was supposed to be with and like stay with him and grow our lives together. She's like, I love, I love the wool of the role of the woman. I love nurturing the home and cooking the meals and mm-hmm. taking care of the family. She's like, I absolutely love that. And I've been searching for that my whole life, whether, you know, I can say I've been good at it or bad at it. Um, I've never blamed my mom for wanting to find love after the first try of the family like fell, fell apart. I think, you know, mm-hmm. you, you try harder because the desire becomes more and more and more. And when she told me that, I was just like, oh my God, like for me, it was not Mm -hmm. only mother cord, but it was like generational for like, there's another thing that I have to stomp out on top of the 17 million other things I incarnated to stomp out. But I'm like, me too. I said, me Mm freaking too. I said, I have always... I've loved like the high school sweetheart story and we found each other at a young age and we came together and we grew together. And, you know, I used to meet all of these couples that they'd been together for like 50, 60 years. And I would always ask them like, what, what's your advice to like young lovers? And I'm sure like a lot of people stayed together through the tough times because divorce just feels like an absolute like PR nightmare. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, like not only financially, but just like, it feels like a death, a separation of the whole life that you've built up. We're definitely going to give it the grieving credit that it deserves. Um, but just understanding like my programming and what I always wanted because my codependency came from wanting that life so bad. And I'm like, I'm, I know this relationship is toxic for me. I know I'm not supposed to do this eventually, you know, I'll get kicked out of this situation somehow. I'll leave, they'll leave. But understanding that I truly desired to be with that one person and to grow with them and be loyal to them and explore them, right? Um, Was another mind-blowing moment, not in mine, but when I was able to ask my mom like, hey, what did you want to be before kids? What, What was your idea of love? What did you see in love? And it was from it was from hearing other people's stories where I was like, Oh, I never thought to ask my, my mom that question. I was also in my late twenties when I realized my mom had a life before me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you existed before me. You weren't just plugged into a wall waiting to exist for my every want and need. That's so crazy. But I know, and I mean, I love my mom so much, so I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but I know between knowing her childhood and knowing my dad's childhood boundaries are not only taught but if you don't have an awareness of boundaries you trample over everybody whether mm-hmm. it's co-workers strangers and especially family and then you use this this like family coding 
of like, oh, I can do that because I'm your mom. And oh, well, tit for tat, tit for tat. So there's a lot of just really like transformative awareness that I found in going back and being able to talk to my parents or be like, hey, did you know because you were abused your whole life that you're technically still like a six-year-old kid that is supremely unloved and abandoned and this and this. And, you know, sometimes it's received and sometimes it's just like, no, like I'm not, I'm not focusing on this. I'm not faking this. So to tap into the masculine collective, cause I know we're definitely running out of time. Um, how do you help masculines tap into that vulnerability that they, they either don't know how to, or they're just like, I don't want to be a little bitch, you know? Cause that yeah. is so toxic to see a guy so vulnerable and not know how to hold space for it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So my men's work, a lot of it's, you know, deconditioning of what masculinity means, you know, and same thing goes back to everything that we were taught, you know, like I always say, it's like the only emotion that men are okay to even express is anger. Like, let's be honest, they definitely have other emotions, you know? So, um, a lot of it's like learning, you know, what are you feeling and finding the vocabulary to name, you know, it's sometimes as simple as like that awareness of like, all right, what are you feeling? What do you need to express? And so, yeah, I find a lot of that is like, also like, I mean, men are honestly just as good at channeling and being psychic as women are. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing sessions. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that happened so easy for you because probably you were just like, oh, I have no idea what to expect, you know? And I think the beauty is when I, when I see men really, you know, learning that like, you know, they can connect to their heart. You know, they, they have my favorite, one of my, actually my favorite uh, exercises is this, um, it's called um, uh, the alignment exercise where we really get to know their penis, their heart and their mind. And what does each of them want? And can we really honor all of their desires knowing that, hey, we want to work together. You know, we don't want to be disconnected when it comes to, you know, sex or love. We want all of these energy centers to work together. So a lot of it too is releasing a lot of shame, I would say, you know, just around like our genitals, you know, I think both men and women carry that, but I see that a lot with men and, you know, it's always about like, what's the size, da, 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 is it working? Is it not working? You know, da, 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 why is it not performing? So men do hold a lot of that, you know, and I could say both like, you know, the toxic feminine also has, you know, something to do with that as well, you know, of, you know, being angry when things aren't working. And so it's, we're both, you know, in this journey of, you know, healing and becoming better at communicating and expressing. Um, But that's been the biggest thing is also seeing that like, yeah, like giving men space to connect with their feelings and, you know, not judging them for that and, you know, allowing them to process how they need to process. And also too, like, teaching them that they're also the energetic component is massive, you know, teaching that like that their sexual energy is something that should be honored and that is sacred. It's just as sacred as the women's sexual energy and knowing that they can move that energy and use that for good. Right. Cause sometimes I feel like it's always like seen as like, Oh, well, well, a lot of men, you know, carry that shame too of like, you know, like always being horny as a boy, you know, not being allowed to like fully express that and like being ashamed of that and knowing that like, you can feel your energy and not act on it. That's a massive one too. You know, you don't always have to act on your sexual urges and your energy. You can bring it back to you. 
So same thing. I feel like a lot of it's always like, how can we connect with our sexuality ourselves? Know that it's for ourselves. And that's the beauty in it. I love that you brought up um, like the, the performing of it, like not just like oh, yeah. not being able to get it up, but like say, you know, it's go time and there's a like performance anxiety where like, I'm supposed to pose like a porn star and <laughs> yeah. moan in a certain way. And like, maybe yeah. like maybe if my comfort zone is sounding like a banshee, just get yeah. it like that, like that's my turn on. That's my kink. Like I'm going to own that. But as far as the shame involved, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no way that you don't come across people understanding that like they don't have to perform a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. And Oh my gosh, even with men or women alike, like there's so many different energy centers on our body, right? And especially the way that the Western world has been taught sex, like this is a no-no spot. It goes here. It doesn't go here. You don't touch this. You you definitely don't touch this on a guy because if you touch this on a yeah. guy, you're gay, <laughs> right? But I, yeah. I'm so fortunate like you to have... Um, a monumental amount of open-minded friends and we are so comfortable with each other that we talk about everything. And I have, I have a friend, I'm not going to go into detail, right? But I have a friend who went like full on, like, this is what I like. This is what I was curious about. And I decided to go ahead and do it. And like, transformative for my sex life. I struggled with performing. I struggled with how do I open up to a woman and be like, I'm curious about this. How do I, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. men being vulnerable, which I think is mm, warms my heart. I think it needs yeah. to be talked about more. But when you have these people that come in either with how do I get over my performance anxiety and how do I find the strength to really, um, speak what I'm either curious about or what I need. Um, yeah. not that I want to give your whole program away on your episode, but yeah. what are like some tips and tricks for people that are listening where they could start on that journey? Yeah. So that's a huge thing of like open and honest communication. You know what I always, I call radical honesty. So A lot what I see is like until we can become true to ourselves and what our desires are, we will we will then, you know, deceive others if we can't be in that truth. So the more that we can honor our truth and speak it and act from that truth, that's when, you know, the lying, the deception is going to go away. But because we also live in a world where we're, you know, we don't want our partner to leave us because we have the same attachment, codependency issues like we all still like have that. Right. And we always want to be loved and have that safety, have that support. But when it comes to like, okay, when you're ready for that consciousness, that conscious partnership, you are going to come to that partnership with a, you know, with a different way. It's like, you're going to be strong and trust yourself so much that you won't self-abandon yourself. You know, even if you speak up and say your desires and that person's going to be like, ew, oh my God, I'm leaving you. You'll be so in your truth and in your power that you'll be like, that's okay. I'll find someone who aligns with that. And I think that's huge is like knowing that there are people that there's communities that exist. You will, you're always supported. You will find people that love your weirdness. You know, I think that's a huge part of the journey. Um, and knowing that, you know, in partnership, there are so many tools that you can use, you know, that 
what I one thing is like yeah, like not like I do this. Okay, I'm going to tell this one. So there's this uh, tool that I use that's like love, desires, and fears, right? And it's a space where you don't get into discussion. You just let the other person talk and speak. And it's so, you know, beautiful that I find that like something as simple as like, well, what are your fears? You know, sometimes we don't even ask our partners this. You know, that's how we can start to learn how to hold space for our partner. And yeah, allow them to really just speak and what I have found is that actually when you're vulnerable in your partnerships, like truly genuinely vulnerable and show yourself that actually the love becomes stronger and deeper and you get to this level of love that you just are like, you know, I love you for who you are. And, and even if it's like you realize, okay, you're not okay with certain things, it's like, you can still love that person and know that, you know, maybe you're not compatible. Like both can coexist. Like that's, I think been the biggest learning is like, you know, with my exes too, I like, I have such deep love for them. I love them as humans, like our journeys together, our growth, but I also could know, you know, what is good for me? You know, what are my boundaries and what, what does my soul need? You know? So the more that we honor ourselves, the more we can honor others because yeah, we'll be just so true. And so, and have that love, you know, we won't then dismiss, deny, and yeah, I would say. <laughs> so it's a long-winded so, one but no, no, no. it's so hard sometimes to be like oh my god what am I going to say after this because she just hits every point that I would actually like mm-hmm. ask a question on um truly I mean such such a vital need for this work and I I think that there's a boom in every market and you mm-hmm. definitely have to like use your intuition on like who you want to work with and stuff but I mean you're just killing it you're killing all my questions. Mm, you, You're I answering where I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Let's talk about this. So um, if I want to work mm-hmm. with you, what is yes. the best way to get a hold of you? Yes. So the best way. So I have my website, besuccessful.com. Um, and you can where I have my couples information and my solo work. Um, and really, it's it's the transformation that's going to change your perspective on how you view relationships, how you view your body, how you view sexuality. And it's a beautiful journey. It's, it's a two, two month container. Um, and yeah, I really, I should more three month container. I should say that really just from day one to, to that last day, you really become this new empowered version of yourself that probably you've never met before. And like, that's, what's so beautiful about this work. And Ultimately, too, it's like you, there's so much expansion, you know, who I was, even like who I was two years ago, let alone like, you know, a month ago is is always constantly changing. I think the one thing that I always, yeah, want to tell people and I want to tell couples is like your partner, if you believe in expansion and you believe in like the power of evolution, there's always growth. There is always something new. So that partner is always someone new. So there is that excitement that's always there because, you know, you're on this journey together and how beautiful is it to be on a journey with someone that also honors your own separate growth and your, your, your relationships growth. So I always like to say too, like you have a soul and then the relationship has a soul. So yeah, it's, it's, it's so amazing. And honestly, if you just want a taste of my work, I, I did launch my lover's breath, lover's magic breath. 
Uh, and it's a beautiful um, breathwork audio exercise where you get to tap into your energy centers with your partner. And honestly, you get to refine your sexual energy and get it to this beautiful state. And you literally have a physical experience of what energy is and how you can really experience your body, you know, your chakras, all of this in a whole new way. And honestly, this work is massive. Like when you start doing this work, you start to realize, holy crap, you're releasing stuff from like years of years that have been there that has been stagnant and you become so more open, so magnetic and your work life starts to change. Like crazy things start to happen. That's, that's the beauty. Like you go in it with one intention of like, Oh, I want more intimacy. And then boom, you're getting promoted at work. Like how freaking magical is that, that this all plays, you know, your sexual energy affects all of your life and that's what I just want to share with people is like activate that you know and really get in touch with what lights you up and you know what turns you on I should say (laughs) I don't even have to ask my last question you already you already just said it I'm like what do you want people to know the most and I love that you talk about the flow like recognize you're Mm -hmm. not flowing be okay with it and you know reach out explore the playfulness and the curiosity that is I'm kissing you through Zoom right yes. now. Right now. <laughs> all of your work. And if anybody Thank watches you. on YouTube, she has a mirror headboard. Yes. Putting Ooh, it check it on out. my wish list. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, yes, girl, we're putting this on YouTube. That is amazing. Uh, um, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your magic with us and your perspective and the things that you've learned and just truly being vulnerable with sex. I know that, um, it can kind of make people uncomfortable. I told my parents to skip both of these episodes unless they want to (laughs) touching herself or my sex life. Um, so if they choose to listen, ha ha, try to make eye contact with me at Christmas. Right. Um, but I just really appreciate you. I'm so glad that our, mm. our paths crossed and I really look forward to um, meeting up with you again in a, in a different way, in a different form or anything that I can help you with or promote, I'm, I'm happy to because your work is definitely needed, not just for the feminine, but the masculine. So again, I appreciate you so, so much. Yes, thank you so much, Diane. Honestly, it's been wonderful. I feel like it just flows. It's just coming with clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been amazing. And if you're ever in Miami, come visit me. And yeah, I have a best friend that lives in Tampa, and there's actually a sound healing studio that I want to come and get certified by. I'm going to wait for Ooh. Monroe to get a little older because I have to stay there for a couple months. But not mm-hmm. only are we we're traveling and we're actually interviewing people in their own safe spaces, so the podcast is actually going to turn into like a documentary format down the road when we get all of our travel expenses on our sponsors all set up, lined up and promoted. So, um, I, I'm not going to say, Oh, if like girl, I will see you in Miami. Yeah. We'll do some shit together. Um, and if anything in another city, Oh my God, I love this idea. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, we're, yeah. we're going around and we're showing safe spaces and I'm going to be a Guinea pig for all the transformational work. So, um, starting Amazing. out on the microphone's really big for me. Cause, um, I'm still really shy, <laughs> but um, <laughs> having to be vulnerable and literally like putting your shit on video. Um, I mean, it, it's terrifying the shit that I, I have to face alone, but the fact that I'm going to go put it out on YouTube and be like, look at my shit. Look what I went through. Look what I found. Like, um, I just, I, uh, I picture myself dead 
is the best thing that I can say. And then <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I would have done that if I would have just like had the guts. So I realize it's a lot mm-hmm. of like emotional suppression of myself. And oh, um, I have an amazing network. I have an amazing team of people. We have people coming on to the team that um, really understand the vision. Like I know it's safe space with Cheyenne, but the vision is so much more. So having people like you coming on and telling their story, I mean, you're, you're a part of the mission. You're a part of the movement Mm -hmm. of the high vibe tribe, so to speak. So that's why I'm like Mm -hmm. fangirling you right now because, um, I fucking love this interview. It's been great. And, um, the music today that I got, I actually went to a Goose concert a couple months ago with my concert family, and it's a song called Born, and um, it's about a minute and nine seconds. It's got a sick guitar solo, but if you haven't like checked out Goose or you just need something to like flow with, dude, not okay. Like literally, that's their vinyl right there. Their album came out a couple months ago. It's called Dripfield, but um, I've been to two of their shows. I literally just. Every time I leave, and I just like want to hug all of them and thank them so much for like playing music and just making such good music. But for you, because you like affirmations and all that, there's a song called All I Need. And there's a song called Arcadia. And I 100% believe All I Need is a song about affirmations. And I 100% believe that Arcadia is about not only Kundalini awakening, Kundalini rising, but tapping into your feminine and like unifying your energy centers. This guy is so smart. I, I'm like manifesting now. I will interview Rick and he will tell me all of his lyrical, beautiful, transcendent secrets. But... Man, that was a hell of a intro for Goose. I love Goose so much. Uh, again, Vitality <laughs> Exposed is definitely going to bring us this clip from Born. And thank you, thank you, thank you again so much. You have to look them up and let me know what you think. Because, oh, yes, well, will. just wait until you hear this guitar solo. You just wait. I got Peace. you. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.